You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. So I pray that goes well, Brother Jensen's teaching our class, our youth class tonight. So excited about that. Amen. If you have your Bibles, let's grab our Bibles. Let's open up to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. You can be seated. Amen. I need a reader tonight. I don't know, Brother Brian, are you able to help me out tonight? Amen. Brother Ryan is sick tonight, so it's only right that we go with Brother Brian (laughs) to read for us. Amen. As we go into the word of the Lord, and then at the end, we'll, we'll have some announcements and some prayer at the end of service tonight. Thank you for being here. I know our services have been a, 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 a little less consistent on our midweek with just a lot of travel, different things. We've disrupted with the Dominican trip. and So tonight we're going to finish chapter 12, Lord willing. And then next Wednesday night, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll be gone for our general conference uh, in Indiana the, of the United Pentecostal Church International. And the following week, we'll have a, a missionary from uh, Paris, the Byfield. So look forward to that. And then by the help of the Holy Ghost, we are going to finish 1 Corinthians before this year is out, though. I can feel it. I mean, I can feel it. Uh, So that's our prayer, and that's our plan. Amen. But we want to get into the Word of the Lord here in chapter number 12. And uh, I want us just to pray and ask the Holy Ghost to have His way here tonight, talk to our hearts and our spirit. This is... uh, Something very practical, I think something simple in a certain context. It's simple in receiving, simple in, in uh, reading and studying it, but uh, yet in our personal practice, so often we forget uh, the simplicity of this. So this is so good for us because our human individual prides rise up and, and cause divisions and stuff sometimes. So this could be simple to understand and harder to live out. I guess you could say, in that sense. And that's what we want to look at tonight. So we need the help of the Holy Ghost. So I want you to pray with me if you can. Let's just ask God to anoint our hearts tonight, specifically for this. Would you do that right now? Lord, in Jesus' name, we come to you tonight and we thank you for the blessings that you've given us. Thank you for the wonder, God, of your mercy and your grace in our life. But we are here tonight. God, to ask your direction, I pray that you'd order our steps. I pray that our mind and our heart would be open to your word, that your spirit can speak into our soul tonight. And we ask this right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So let's go to chapter number 12. We left off last with looking at the gifts of the Spirit that are given here in the first few verses of this chapter. And we covered verses 1 through verse 11 already. If I was going to recap real quick, we would do so by just highlighting, and I didn't do this previously, but the nine gifts of the Spirit that are given here, Word of Wisdom, Word of knowledge, faith, gift of healings, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, diverse kinds of tongues, interpretations of tongues. And if you missed the previous uh, installment of this, you can go back and you can catch that. But uh, a lot of commentators, a lot of people have grouped these nine 
into three different categories, the revelation gifts or the illumination gifts, the gifts uh, where God uh, imparts a knowledge or revelation into, into someone for the moment, power gifts, gifts that are an act of power, those of healings and workings of miracles and faith, and then the vocal gifts, those that are gifts of utterance, of speaking out, that of, of tongues and interpretation. If you were here this past Saturday at our regional conference, we, we had a tremendous uh, prayer uh, service here. And at the conclusion of that, nearing the end as we were praying, the Holy Ghost moved. And the gifts of the Spirit that we would talk about in reference here operated. For some, some of us, we were accustomed to that. Maybe we grew up in church and we were around that. But as we were here praying, as we pray... Many times, people that have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and spoken in, in uh, other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance, it's not uncommon for us to do that in prayer. A lot of times people call it a lot of, lot of different things. But when the Spirit of God is moving, you speak in other tongues. And uh, Paul's going to explain this more in detail. He's going to take time, slow down, and be very, very intentional in chapter 14. Uh, where he talks about when we speak in a tongue, it, it's something we don't know what we're saying because we're speaking a language we don't know. But we are speaking to the Lord. The Lord knows. In another place, the Bible says that the Spirit, the Spirit itself maketh intercessions for us. And so sometimes those that have the Holy Ghost, you know, you get down in the spirit of prayer. I don't even know how to pray. And you just start praying and worshiping God. And the Spirit begins to pray through you. And, and it's a beautiful thing. I may not know what I'm saying, but man, I can feel things in the Holy Ghost. And you feel that assurance and that blessing of the Lord. So as we were praying here on, on, on that service, you know, people were praying. But then there was a moment where you could feel, you could feel that the Holy Ghost wanted to do something. And someone spoke out in tongues. But it wasn't just, you know, their personal prayer. It was a distinct, there's a distinction there in that. And as they spoke out, then there was a waiting and we waited because we knew, okay, if the Holy Ghost is speaking, it's great, but it doesn't edify. Paul's going to talk about this. It's very thing that we witnessed on Saturday. Paul's going to talk about in chapter 14. We waited until there was an interpretation that was given. And that's given by the Spirit of the Lord. And there's not necessarily one person that has to in that moment given. Sometimes several people in the room can feel the same thing. Oftentimes you'll feel, oftentimes... I will feel and I will note, all right, the Holy Ghost wants to speak to us here. And you take a moment and you take a pause. You can feel it in the spirit. I don't know how to explain it to somebody that has never received the Holy Ghost, doesn't know what surrendering and operating in the spirit is. It's probably hard to comprehend. But when you have the gift of the spirit in your heart, you know what that is. And so those, these gifts operate. Also, I also know that there's a distinction. Somebody asked me uh, the other day, I can't remember, um, is do you believe that there's a difference between uh, being able to just read people really well and discerning of spirits? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a distinction. Yes, you have the capacity and the ability as a created being uh, to use the resources God has given you to be able to read people. You can learn things. You can bank things away. But sometimes you can also, in the Holy Ghost, you can walk up and all of a sudden you discern something in that moment that you have no clue. There was no marker. There was no physical marker. Something tells you something's going on in the atmosphere or something about someone. 
And those are things that have happened as well. These are gifts of the Spirit that God gives to the church. And so these things were in operation in the church here. Paul, interestingly, at the end of chapter 12, after he tells us this, at the end of chapter 12, after all of the gifts of the Spirit that he's talking about, he says, but I'm going to show you a more excellent way. And he says, the better way is just to love. And that's a pretty powerful thing. We'll look at that next time. We'll look at that, how, how powerful he was saying that. But there's a purpose and there's a point to the gifts of the Spirit. Now, the gifts of the Spirit were in operation in the church at Corinth there, but they were using what should have unified them as a point of contention. And they were saying, aha, look at me. I'm used by the gifts of the Spirit. Are you used? By, well, how much are you used? Well, you're not used as much as me. Well, I'm used better than you. Right, because we're human beings, right? Isn't that how we do that? Come on. Nobody's going to help me on Wednesday night. Bless God. Well, pastor had me preach. Well, I preached better than you preached. Well, I did this. You know, well, I did that. Well, I sang better. Well, I did this. Well, I vacuumed better when I cleaned the church. It's, we're human. And we start thinking these things. And this is what had happened in the church. And so Paul's point here, the greater purpose here, is he said... And he ends it in verse 11, but all these worketh that one and selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. So when Paul sets about to write this portion, he's not saying, oh, I need to teach you and, and talk about the gifts of the spirit. Paul is setting about to say, I need to teach you about unity. I need to rebuke you. I need to correct you. And I'm going to do so by the gifts of the spirit. You know how God has used you in the gifts of the Spirit? Oh, you know how God has used you? You know how God has used you? You know how God has used you? Now, you guys can't get along. You can't see eye to eye. You hate one another. But yet God is using you. Don't you realize that it is the same Spirit that is working in each one of you? And you don't get to choose. You didn't get to choose. You didn't wake up and say, God, I want to do this. No, you've learned by yourself that I only operate in the gifts of the Spirit as the Lord moves on me. Yes. I can't wake up and say, bless God, today I'm going to do this, or I'm going to heal somebody, or I'm going to speak in tongues, or I'm going to discern a devil. Well, maybe you can do that. I don't know. There's a lot to go around. That was my point there. But that's something the Holy Ghost moves as he will, as he chooses to operate, as the Spirit of the Lord chooses to operate. And so Paul's point here is that it's one Spirit that is working in all of you. So basically, we all have the same creator. We all have the same boss. We all are taking commands from the same person. So we are all on the same side. We're on the same team. So we ought to be unified together. So this is the issue that Paul is really dealing with, this issue of disunity. Thank God, thank God that the Corinthian church had disunity enough that Paul wrote them a letter that today we can benefit from. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because of their problem, we get to reap it today. We get to benefit from it. Amen? Amen? Amen. Uh, anybody else glad the church in Corinth was messed enough to have an epistle written to them? Like, thank God for that. Amen. There's, 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 a positive thing to, there's a positive side to everything, right? But seriously, here today we're able to come to this and open it up and look at it, and this informs us so well. So Paul's point was he was talking about unity. He was trying to get here, and he was highlighting how powerful the Spirit of the Lord moves. Now, I want us to, I want us to make this mental note here. This is important to think because a lot of times our human 
uh, fascination, we can get so, our human fascination with the supernatural and the phenomenon can be the overarching focus. But Paul doesn't set out to say, oh, I want to show you an ooh, wow you and, 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 and awe you with the gifts of the Spirit. Paul says, no, I'm trying to deal with the unity issue. And oh, by the way, you know how God moves? It's almost like a matter of fact. It's almost like, a, oh, of course, of course the Spirit of the Lord moves in me. And so he was not swayed by the phenomenon or the, the mystical or the supernatural. It was a, oh, yeah, of course this works. Of course God's doing this. And he sort of brings it down, levels it out in balance for us, which I think is a beautiful thing. Um, and, and we do not diminish the working of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. This is, this is a powerful, powerful thing. And so it is in this same context that Paul goes on for the next portion here. And I want us to read here through this. We got some, we got some ground to cover tonight, and we're going to do that. So verse 11, he says, These all work that one and self same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. So God does this. And now he's getting back to this bigger point. He is now going to take um, verse 12 all the way down through 27. Paul is going to take to explain what he means in verse 11. So let's read verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. So also is Christ. So now he's introducing this analogy of the body, the physical body, something that everybody can relate with. The body is one, but it has many members. There's many different parts that make up the body, but they're all a part of one body. So finger, hand, foot, toe, whatever, arm, ear, nose, it's all one body. So also is Christ. So you are a living example, metaphor, analogy of the body of Christ. You cannot escape it. And this is the greatest thing he gives us that we can understand. There's so much here to mind. So let's go on. So, so here we are. Okay. So many, all one in Christ. Go on, read on. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. One spirit. So now this again is not the point. This is doctrinally sound uh, uh, notations here for us to use, even though it's not the main point. But he says, for by one spirit. Okay, so there's only one spirit. There's not multiple spirits. God is not multiple spirits. There's one spirit. By one spirit. Are we all baptized into one body? Now, the significance of this is Paul lets us know that our entrance into the body, our way into the body, is through that of baptism. We've been baptized. Aren't you thankful for that? We've been baptized in the name of the Lord. So don't let anybody tell you baptism isn't important because Paul says that's how we get into the body. That was the command of Peter on the day of Pentecost. So if baptism is important, then we ought to pay attention to it. And if baptism uh, means uh, uh, anything, we ought, we ought to see what, what was baptism about. We are thankful. We understand what baptism was. Clearly taught, given in Scripture, baptism is the full immersion, amen, of one in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
Amen. Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus, everywhere that's where they baptize, that's where they baptize. For that is the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, fulfilling Matthew 28 and 19. And they were fully immersed. They were not sprinkled. Now, I know some faith traditions try to, uh, to do sprinkling because there's one reference in the New Testament about sprinkling our conscience. Um, and that is a nod, if they would study that, that is a nod to the Old Testament process of sanctification. But in the New Testament, John the Baptist, he was called John the Baptist, not John the Sprinkler. So, and he was a forerunner. I wasn't trying to be funny, but I guess I, I just, I was trying to state a fact, but that's true. Yeah. So he was a forerunner of Christ trying to show them. And John was letting them know that, hey, this ceremonial cleansing in the mikvah that you do, you're just doing it on the outside. He said, but God, what God wants to do is he wants to do a work on the inside. And so when he came preaching baptism, it was baptism under repentance. This had to be an inward thing. And then from there, they would baptize in the name of Jesus Christ. And so we understand that and we know that. So uh, this, while this is not the main point, this is not what Paul is, is writing on. He is letting us know that we are baptized into one body. Read on. Whether we be Jew or Gentiles. Whether we be Jew or Gentile. Whether we be bond or free. Yes. And have all have been all made to drink into one spirit. All right. So God has called us Jew Gentile, bond, free, and we've all been made to drink one spirit. Aren't you thankful for that? Yeah. So the, 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 the Greeks, the Gentiles, they were not given a, a less portion in the church, but the Holy Ghost was free for all. It was poured out upon everyone. It didn't matter your social status. It didn't matter your pedigree. It didn't matter all of that. The Holy Ghost was there for you. This was a underlying principle in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Remember, Paul previously rebuked them. He said, you're making tiered level social status in the church. And he said, I condemn you. He said, this is bad. He said, it would have been better if you wouldn't have even met as a church because you're making the cross of Christ of none effect. And he said, you make a mockery of communion. The whole fact that we have communion, everyone can partake of that is because whosoever will, let him come and drink of the waters of life freely. And so Paul was talking about this. So he's establishing that. Well, they, they, he's already established that. He's doing it again. This is free for anybody. Anybody can be a partaker of this. So when God gives the Holy Ghost, God doesn't give you a, a, a first edition of the Holy Ghost and the, your enemy or somebody you don't like a, a leftover portion. It's the same Holy Ghost. You're, you're pulling up to the same table. You're eating at the same table. You're showing up. It's the same reservation. It's, it's, it's the same purchase. It's the same gift that God has given. All right, let's read on. For the body is not one member, yes. but many. All right, so the body is not one member, okay? You alone are not the body of Christ. Amen. You alone are incomplete. You're one member in the greater whole of the body of Christ. So this isolation mentality... Have you ever, you know, sometimes we can tend to that. We get offended. We just want to withdraw. Well, I don't need to go to church. You ever heard that? Oh, I can pray. To, I can talk to God on my own. I can read the Bible myself. I don't need anybody to tell them. I don't need, I, I can have a relationship with God by myself. Well, actually, no, you can't. Because <laughs> in scripture, he lets us know that you cannot serve God in isolation. Amen. What's the first word? I always ask people this. What's the first word? Word in the Lord's Prayer, which is the prayer that he taught us to pray. What is the very first word? Our, Our not my. Right. 
Because it's not just your father. He's other people's father as well. And you can't even come to God in that, without that revelation and understanding that, okay, God, you, you don't just love me, but you also love those other people. This is hard. You didn't just die for me. You also die for the people I don't like. You didn't just redeem me. You also died on a cross so that you could save my worst enemies. Yeah. Amen. So the body is one member. So, so, okay, if he did that, then how much more the body of Christ? Amen. For the body is not one member, but many. Okay, let's read on now. Here's the, here's the analogy. Let's go. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? Of course not. And if, the, and if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? All right. If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? Yes. If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? Yes. But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. Every one of them in the body as it hath pleased him. Not as it hath pleased me. Or you, as it pleased him. So, I mean, this is pretty simple. We understand. If the whole were an eye, you're, well, you're not going to be able to work. You're not going to be able to do everything. So you have limited capacities in your, in your ability. And if you're really going to function as a body of Christ, you can't win everybody, reach everybody, touch everybody, love everybody, communicate to everybody, help everybody. You don't have the wherewithal. You don't have the capacity. You, you cannot relate with every single person in this world. There are going to be some people you, you're not going to be able to do. That's why there has to be distinction. There has to be differences. There has to be multitudes. There has to be multiple. And God brings all this together. You would exhaust yourself if you had to do everything. Okay? The brain, now we're using the analogy of the body. The brain is one of the greatest organs in your body. But the brain is nothing without the heart. And the brain and the heart can say, well, we're preeminent, but they're nothing without the stomach. Because the stomach's what fuels. But then you could keep going from there with all of the other parts of the body. You, you need all of these. Now, yes, you can survive in some instances by losing uh, a certain appendage. And having certain things, you can operate at a less level and you can exist. But as the whole, as the purpose, as the intent, God wants everybody to work together. He needs multitudes, many different members to come together. So here he is, and he's saying, God hath set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. All right, read on. Verse 19. And if they were all one member, where were the body? Right. But now... Are they many members, yet but one body? Right, right. So if there's just a hand walking around all by itself, that'd look pretty funny, right? It wouldn't work. It wouldn't operate. It'd be a little lopsided. People think, okay, something's wrong. Something's not there. Okay, you could tell. So you need a hole to make, to make a part. Read on. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee. Right, he continues on this line of thinking, yes. Nor again the head to the feet. All right. I have no need of you. Right. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. There you go. 
So there's parts of the body more feeble. Read on. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. Yes. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. All right, because there is a need there. There's a need there. So uh, you, you don't think much about your toenail until it's gone. Or till you lose it. Okay, all right. Well, that, that was serving a purpose there. I guess there is something. There's a lot of sensitivity there. So those things. So here's he's making the point. We don't have to exhaust this here. That even the parts that 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 we uh, don't show off, those are necessary parts to the function of the body. So go on now and read the next verse, because here it is again. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. So our comely parts have no need. So there's parts of us that, you know, people admire or whatever, but, but, but they, they, may, they may not even serve a full necessary purpose. Amen? But God hath tempered the body together. And I love that word there, that tempered, that old English word. A lot of new translations will say God has composed or God has put together. But with that word tempered, uh, implying that God is selecting ingredients. He is mixing them together. He is forming them. God is choosing them and making them all to be a part together. Now, this is a raw, raw. Paul is being rather raw here without being explicit or, or in any, in, in, in any uh, uh, uncomely way. He's saying that there are parts of the body that we would esteem more comely, more great, more, more beautiful. Our hair. People go on. We, we spend a lot of fuss. Hair products line the grocery stores, right? Um, uh, we spend a lot of stuff on the hair. We think, oh, look at the beautiful hair. But you know what? You, I've learned that you can lose your hair. And you can still keep on operating, right? Can I get an amen, right? So, I, mean, I didn't have as much need as I thought I had for that, you know, kind of thing. But there's other parts that you would, you would not acknowledge, you wouldn't even think about. External, internal, whatever, that are very valuable. The moment there's a dysfunction there, all of a sudden you, you, you've got to have a, 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 a critical adjustment there t- attending to. And, and, and God is taking that, which is both comely and uncomely, and he's mixing it together and he's putting it together and he's making it necessary because this is going to be what makes the body of Christ and it's going to be what makes the body of Christ function. So uh, I, I want us to pause here and let's highlight some things that we just read. Every member, we're, we're the body of Christ, many different members. And by the way, in our, in our outline here, we're, we're, we're talking about the body of Christ. But, but the body of Christ, every member, there's a few distinctives that we can take away. Each member, first, is different by design. There is no one else like you. You are as unique as your your fingerprint. You are as unique as your retina scan, whatever else. There is no one else like you. Every member is valuable and needed. Every member is necessary. There's no one that God's put in and said, well, well, this doesn't really serve a purpose. 
God has selected it. Every member is a part of a greater whole. You were by design selected by God, not to serve God on your own, not to be to serve God in isolation, but to serve God in the body of Christ. Every member is going to be incompetent alone. The eye can't exist without the rest of the body. The ear can't exist without the rest of the body. The hand can't exist without the rest of the body. The brain can't exist without the rest of the body. You're incompetent when you're alone. Every member is neither less important or more important. It is sinful for us to think that there are people in the church that are more important than other people in the church. Christ died for all. And as my pastor would always say, we are all level at the foot of the cross. Now, Paul's talking here on the back of spiritual gifts. He's going to go on and he's going to talk about giftings in the church, ministries and operations. And we have to understand that those are things that God has given to us. We are not better than the rest because we are the pastor or the preacher or the singer or you pick or, or a discerner or a healer or I have faith or I have whatever more you pick, pick whatever that doesn't make you better in any way. You are still just another member in the body of Christ and God hath tempered the body together. So before we start thinking, look at me and look at how valuable I am. (laughs) Don't forget that you are nothing without the body of Christ. Too many times we see it often. We often see it in in either when people come, come to the Lord and come into the church and God begins to bless them. Or they come to the Lord, they come to the church and God begins to use them. And our own human prides allow us to think that, oh, now we're something better. We're more important than someone else because of the function that we serve or the, or the operation that, that we serve in. But the reality is this, that you are serving among the church body. And for instance, so somebody gets up and they sing. And uh, when they sing, the spirit of the Lord moves in in a mighty way. You ever been in an atmosphere or a place like that? Somebody sing. And as they begin to sing, the spirit of the Lord moves in in a mighty way. They, through fleshly temptations, could walk out saying, look at what I did. Well, maybe you did have a part in yielding to the Lord and allowing God to work through you. But did you ever stop and think maybe it was the spiritual atmosphere that was already set in the room by the people that came that caused your voice to give flight yeah. Preachers get up and they'll preach. I, I, I spent some years in Bible college work and ministry and, and uh, kids would get up and they, they'd preach, man, and they'd preach to all their peers at a chapel or whatever in the, in, the, in the right environment, man, and they'd just preach the house down. And then they'd go out to a nursing home yeah. <clears throat> where half the crowd's falling asleep. Somebody's over there yelling, you know. <laughs> For more coffee, you know, and there is, you know, and there's no, no moving of the spirit in that sense. And they, they come out and they wonder what's wrong. Well, you know, when you preach, that was great, but there was a hearer. There was people that had faith. Yeah. There's a mixture there of, that's going on. 
So when God uses you and you stop on the street and you find somebody that's hungry and you witness to them and you pray to them and the Spirit of the Lord moves, don't walk away thinking, oh, look at how mighty and great I am. No, there was a hungry soul there. Go pray for a rebellious soul and let's see how good that goes. Right? I mean, some people just don't want to be saved. They don't want to be healed. They don't want to be touched. They don't want to be mad. I don't want to get better. I don't, I don't want your God. I don't want any of that. And so the flip side is true also. People go out and they, they preach and they sing and they testify and nothing happens and they walk out and say, well, I'm just worthless. I'm just nothing. Well, no. That, that may not say much about you. It may say more about the people that you're talking to. Then you remember in Scripture that the Lord even commanded, he said, there's going to be places that you go that will not receive you. When you come to those places, there's going to have to come a point where you're going to have to make the decision, okay, they're not ready for this, and you're going to shake the dust off your feet, and you're going to move on to the next town. Does anybody remember that? I'm in Scripture, right? Okay, where God says that. Well, some people never leave the town. They just stay there. And then they feel like failures, and people start judging them and say, oh, well, look at you. Their church is not growing. And then you have a church that's in a place where it's growing, and we got to be careful. Thank God we're growing here right now. God's blessing us. We've seen a lot of great things. But don't walk out and say, well, well, this is so great, or this is why, or, or, or it's this pastor, or it's that, or that. No, 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 no. No, this has less to do about us, and has a whole lot more to do about timing, being in the right place, having hungry souls, and, and all of that. It says less, less about us, more about the Spirit of the Lord. We are a part of the body of Christ. And we are not more valuable. If our church grows to a thousand, we are not more valuable than the next church over of a hundred. And too often in our fleshly mind, isn't that how we think? We think, well, we have more, I'm more valuable. No, 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 no. We are all a part of the body of Christ. And we have to understand that for ourselves, as well as understand that for others. Because what happens if we will think higher of ourselves than the other person that's less successful, let's say, on the outward, well, then we'll think less of ourselves when we're having a difficult season in life and think that I'm not important, I'm not needed. And, and when life hits you, you're going to go through different seasons in life. You never know when those seasons are going to come. And you may not always serve and operate in the same role that you're operating in. And when seasons of life hit you, and all of a sudden you can't serve the way you did before or something, or, 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 or uh, no longer serving in a certain capacity within the church structure or whatever, too often I've heard people say, well, I... I, I, I just, I'm not important. And the devil begins to lie to you and say, you know what? Nobody's even going to miss you at that church. Right. I'm going to tell you, you are just as valuable right. and just as important. Amen. In the body of Christ, yep. yeah. in the church. Amen. No matter where you are serving here. Is this all right tonight? Yeah. All right. Let's go to verse 25. Read verse 25. That there should be no schism in the body. Yes. But that the members should have the same care for one another. All right. So there should be no uh, division. There should be no division in our minds, in our thinking. We should not allow ourselves to think that way. We should not think that way about other people. We should not think that way about ourselves. We should not have this division. We are a part. That is why it is very important that we as a church be multi-everything, multi-generational. We can't have a young church or an old church. 
multi-ethnic, whatever. This this multi-social status. This is a church for the poor. This is a church for the rich. This is the church for the old. This is a church for the young. This is a church for the married. This is a church for for the single. Amen? We, We ought to be able to have that, and we minister across. You are not less than... Did, did we, now, Paul's already addressed this. It's been a few weeks now, but when we were back a few chapters ago, remember where Paul did something counterculture in the Greek culture? He elevated the status of being single in the church, and he said to those single, he said, you are just as valuable in the church Amen. as the other person that is a part of a full nuclear family, as we would call it. You have just as much value because this is the body of Christ. And so when we come into the church, this is our identity. This is who I am, man. I belong to the church. Amen. And, and, and when you give unto the Lord and you put God first and you, you give your tithe and your offerings, it is never, ever, ever about the amount you give. Yeah, that's right. It is always about the place of priority in your life, giving the first tenth of, to God. Amen. Because we don't go around and measure and say, well, look at how much they give. Because the widow who gave her last might gave everything, gave of her need. To a lot of us, we would say, oh, I'm not even going to stoop down to pick up a penny. But until you're poor, when you're poor, every penny counts. And God says, I'll value the offering of pennies from somebody that's poor over somebody that can willfully write a large sum. And we need that. You know what? Thank God. Thank God for people that can write big checks. Thank God for people that still give pennies. Thank God for people that sacrifice at that level. Because God, little is much when God is in it. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. The little that a righteous man hath is greater, the proverb says, than the riches of many wicked. Amen, amen, amen. So here we are. There should be no division in the church. And he said, we have to understand this so that in the church we have care one for another. We care for one another. We care for one another. In the church, you, you, you know, as our church grows, you may not know everybody's name, but you ought to be able to smile at everyone and greet them with a praise of the Lord. How are you doing? Good to see you. Because they're valuable. Maybe we don't sit on the same side of church. Maybe I don't hear you sing. Maybe all that stuff. But you know what? When you're missing, I miss you being there. Because yes. you add something to the church. You just being here, you add something to the church. Your continual faith, your presence, you're showing up. The battles that you're dealing with, the things, the temptations that you're striving through, all those things, you are an encouragement just by being here. How many have been encouraged by people that you, you I, I, I went to church my whole life uh, where you couldn't know everybody's name. It's a large church. You couldn't know everybody's name. But man, you don't know how much you appreciate somebody until they're not there. I didn't know everybody's name. But everybody served in different places, in different parts, in different things. And you thank God for that. And it all happened together. Not everybody can preach. Not everybody can clean. Not everybody can teach. Not everybody can mow the grass. Not a, Well, maybe some more people can mow the grass. I don't know. But, but not. You know what I'm saying? You, you understand what I'm saying? We all have to do different things. And that's okay. And I thank God for that wonderful spirit here. We went to the Dominican Republic last week. And we descended on that building. In the, in the hottest days of our life, we went in there. We didn't have a plan. It was utter chaos. There was, thank God, there's no OSHA to come check us out. We probably could have used a little bit more of that. I don't know. But, but there's people, people, I mean, it's just, it's just mass pandemonium. 
paint, painting over your head. And I'm just praying, you know, we got hand power tools and everything else just going all around. People walking over contractors in there. We had multiple contractors at the same time as well as we're in there messing around. The pastor's running, getting water. We're taking people to the hospital. You know, just another ordinary day. And we're, we're, we're slaving away there, working there, just sweating our guts out, you know, and all of a sudden I look up and we come up and there's like 30 people from the neighborhood that pulled their chairs around the corner and they're just sitting there watching us. Like coming in, looking at this thing going on. There's people, there's babies walking through the church. I don't even know whose babies they were, where they came from. Kids walk, people just stepping in, just checking it out, you know, kind of thing, standing at the windows, looking in, all kinds of stuff, just mass chaos, but... There was a unity as we all came together. We couldn't, some could speak English, some could speak Spanish, some could speak Creole, but we could all smile and yes, no, finally get, you know, and somehow we worked together and it all came together. That's what the church ought to be. That's the beautiful thing of the church. And you're, you're, you know, I've never sweat more in my life and felt so good about it (laughs) at the same time. Like I can't explain it. I've never come home more tired and refreshed at the same time. Because that's the church. That's the body of Christ coming together and serving. And this ought to be the place. That ought to be your feeling when you come here. Man, it's good to be in the house of God. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. So every member is neither less important nor more important. Every member is selected by God. Every member is tempered or mixed together. We are not divided because God selected us. And so we ought to care for one another. We come to one another's rescue. We help one another. Amen. And we want to we want to bless one another. It's easy. I know we we hate to see abuse. We hate to see hurt in the church. And we talk about you here, it's common to talk about church hurt. But you know, everybody thinks of it from the center, the center of their, themselves. And this is what Paul is saying. You've got to stop thinking about it as yourself. Because, yeah, we've probably all been hurt in the church, but we've also, if we'd be honest, for every person that would yell out church hurt, if you've been around the church long enough, you've probably been part of the problem at some point too. And I've got to care for others. It's easy for me to yell and scream, well, the church isn't caring for me like they ought to. Well, that's, that can be true, and that's devastating, and I'm sorry, and I hate, hate that. I hate to hear that, and there's too many people that are wounded spirits because of that. But, but we also have to be quick to acknowledge, you know what, well, maybe I haven't always been the best care giver either. And, and maybe I should go back and try again, which should be a little bit more great. we got to love other people. we got to love people. People that we don't know, people people that we don't maybe not have everything in common with, but hey, you're in the body of Christ, and that that happens in the body of Christ. Where should it happen most? Well, it should happen at the local assembly level first. Don't expect it to happen on a broader scale if it doesn't happen here. We got to be able to people that we don't have any say. Well, I've never talked to them. I don't have anything in common. Well, that's not really the right attitude that we ought to have in church. You do have something in common. You have the most important critical thing in common. And that is that you have been saved by a God that loves you for all eternity. You don't need anything else in common. (laughs) I've been forgiven. You've been forgiven. We don't need anything else in common to talk and have fellowship over. Thank God for that. 
We're a part of the body of Christ. Amen. So now read on. Read verse 26. And whether one member suffer, yes, all the members suffer with it. All right. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Yes, yes. So here it is. If one suffers, you all suffer. You don't, you don't, uh, um, pray for Sister Kyla. She just, she, she broke her leg or her ankle or something like that at gym class the other day, yesterday. So she's, she has, I don't know if she's watching online. If she is, I know she's walking around in crutches right now. I know what that's like. And uh, you have to compensate. It, it messes you up. You hurt one part of your body. It affects the whole of your body. And if we would understand this, you ever stub your toe? Right? Try to run after that. Ain't happening. Right? Because it's affected you. So you ought to be concerned about how other people in the body of Christ are doing. Don't, let's not compartmentalize and say, well, they're suffering, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't have any effect on me. No, it does. Because when one member suffers, we all suffer. You know why? Because you say, well, that's not going to affect me. I'm going to keep on living for God. Well, that's true. You might. You're going to keep on living for God. But but you've lost them when they are suffering physically or, or spiritually. When they are suffering, you have lost their worship, their testimony as an added strength, as an added encouragement in your life. Brother, Brother Zarid is not here tonight. He, he, he goes around. I love, stay encouraged, be encouraged. He's an encourager, right? He's always going around. He's an encourager. We need that. We need more encouragers. Yeah. We need encouragers. You need people to come up to you and just say, hey, hey, be encouraged kind of thing. You need that. Well, when somebody's suffering and you can't, you know, even encouragers sometimes need to be encouraged. Sometimes people that always smile, and you've always got to smile. That doesn't mean they never have any bad days. You know what that means? That means someday they're going to need you to smile for them. you got to care for one another. All right, so read, the, read verse 27. Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. You are the body of Christ, and you are members in particular. I want to highlight three things real quick about the body of Christ. And then we'll go through this last analogy that he gives us here really quick. The three things about the analogy of the body of Christ that I would like to highlight. Number one, within the body, among the members, there is coordination. We are different, we're distinct, but there is coordination. We coordinate. We coordinate, okay? So we're not doing the same thing, but we are all working in a rhythm. There's a coordination that goes on there. And a healthy body has coordination has natural rhythms those coordinations sometimes are intentional but a lot of times they are automatic this is the powerful thing about the body analogy is that right now you are subconsciously breathing but yet you can consciously take a breath because your brain is informing the rest of your body when you walk you don't even think about it but as your left left leg goes forward and your right your arms and your body will adjust the weight there's a coordination that's taking place you you don't even think about it but there's a so that we can achieve balance it's a working together and that is automatic not intentional i don't have to think okay wait wait uh see left foot forward right arm back you know when you're operating that, you know how slow you move? But when it's automatic, it just comes. It just happens. Can I tell you, that's what God wants the church to be. 
He wants to be in a coordination that as the Spirit is moving, as, as God is speaking and leading, as He's laying something on one person's heart, other parts of the body have already stepped up and compensated and coordinated together with that. So coordination, coordination within the body of Christ. So we've got to find out where do we serve, right? Where do we serve? And we've got to be in coordination with that, okay? Now, now, right now, at this time, at this place, I'm the pastor. You can't have multiple pastors. We have pastoral ministry and leadership as we grow. But you, you, everybody can't be the pastor. Somebody's got to not be the pastor, right? And we have, we have former pastors that, that are here among us, that attend here with us. So, so there's, there's a time. And before uh, Brother Bollinger was a former pastor, he, w- he was a, a saint in the church. He was a laborer in the church. He worked in the church. So there's, there's, a, there's a coordination that goes on. So as the Spirit begins to move, you'll, you'll have people that do this and people that do the music and people that do the teaching and people that do the prayer and people that do Sunday school and people that do the serving and people that do the working and the maintenance and all that stuff. If the church is going to grow, we need to be so healthy, amen, that there is a coordination that takes place all at the same time because what you don't want is you want one member going forward but the rest of it not working how odd does that look you know walk the legs trying to go and the rest of I saying I ain't doing it you're gonna have to bring me with you you know and then you got this you know this is this is what you've got people you know what we need is we need a healthy coordination where the body of Christ is just there there's a flow in the spirit and, and the hand's not saying, well, no, I, I want preeminence. I want to have as much right and deliberation as the foot. No, because we're not, we're not, we're not giving the orders. We are all taking orders from the head. And he is the head. And when we understand that, oh, that's why. Okay, you're, you're there. Hey, you know what? I was feeling that too. Let's go. Let's go for this. And let's do this. Co- coordination, diversity. The second thing. The second thing in the body, and I mentioned a little bit earlier, is the word compensation. Compensation. Well, what's compensation for? Well, compensation is when the body is not well or when a particular member of the body is weak. You have to compensate. You have to compensate. When you've stubbed your toe, when you've hurt something, when you've injured something there, there has to be a compensation. When you hurt your arm or your shoulder, now we're doing things with the other. The other one might have to pick up a load a little bit to do a little bit more in the body of Christ. And we don't get bent out of shape when we have to do that. But we're willing to come to someone else's aid and compensate. Hey, maybe you you know what? You're not you're not as encouraging as you used to be or or maybe you're not where you're at right now. You know what? I'm going to compensate for you. I'm going to come along and I'm gonna, I'm going to love you anyway. I'm going to I'm going to have grace. I'm going to help I'm going to help carry you through this season. Why? Because you've been a valuable part and we want you to get healthy. Praise the Lord. And we have to compensate for one another. That is the healthy body of Christ. And then the third thing I would say to you is this, and that is that there is authority in the body of Christ. There's an authority in the body of Christ. When we all understand, and I, I'd highly recommend, there's a great book on spiritual authority by Watchman Nee. It's an old classic. And he writes here about, he writes here about the authority of the body. Which, and he uses this chapter as a very, very powerful principle. That chapter alone is worth it. It's a great book. Um, I would agree with everything he says. There's some stuff in there that I would skip over, but... It's a powerful thing here. He said this. He said, 
We ought not to refuse the function of any member. As members in the body of Christ, and we can do this because we're here talking about spiritual gifts, there are different giftings that people have within the church. Later on, the next verse, Paul is going to talk about the difference between apostles. He's going to say there's apostles, there's prophets, there's teachers, there's miracles, there's gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. And then he said, are all apostles? No, not everybody can be an apostle. Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? And he's not talking there about the initial sign of the gift of the Holy Ghost. He's talking there about the gifts of the Spirit as spoken about earlier in this chapter and then exhaustively talked about in chapter 14. He said, do we all do this? No, not everybody in the church is going to have the same gift, giftings, operations, manifestations. But when you deny someone else ability, amen, you, you are robbing yourself. Because we all have a limited capacity. Can I hear from God? Yes, I can hear from God. But there's going to be seasons in my life where I am going to need someone else to hear for God, from God for me and bring me a word for the Lord. And when I refuse the function of another member, I cut myself short. Because now I've cut off a blessing or another member, a, a, a part that God could have sent to minister to me. I need the body of Christ. I need those that are different. I need those that think different. That's what different is not bad. It's just different. Now, I'm not talking about unhealthy and carnal and ungodly things that we, we tolerate. We don't tolerate those things in the church. But I'm talking about just different people that are just different. We need that. I need the body of Christ. And it is arrogant for me to think I don't need to go to church. I don't need the body of Christ because I've got all the answers. I can figure it out all myself. No, you cannot figure it out all yourself. You need the body of Christ. You need the strength. You need the encouragement. You need the rebuke. You need the touch. You need the protection. You need the love. You need the grace of the body of Christ. And if we valued the body of Christ, if we had a revelation of how valuable the body of Christ is, I think people would prioritize church membership, church attendance, church fellowship, being a part of the body of Christ. Because this is, this is my lifeline. I'm a part of the kingdom of God. Now, you know me, I don't condemn people that you know, you get sick, you, you sometimes job interferes, you know, you, you, you need to go visit family, you need to go on vacation. So we don't police, we don't go around and check off and police and aha, look who's not coming and all that stuff. But I'm going to tell you when, you, when you can allow other things in this world to say, oh, well, I don't need to go, it's not that important. That's a dangerous place. And at the end of the day, you're robbing yourself because the greatest blessing you could do is to say, okay, you know what? God is a, God has set the body of Christ in order. And I'm going to avail myself to everything God has. There's authority in the body of Christ. Even pastors need to be prayed for. That's why celebrity mentality in the church is a rot that will destroy. It'll destroy ministers. It'll destroy so many people. Because we all need one another. We are all level at the foot of the cross. So he says, can't all be apostles, all prophets? No, they can't all. You can't do this. And then he goes on in verse 31, and we'll cover this again next time. But covet earnestly the best gifts. What are the best gifts? Well, he's going to tell us in chapter 14. I'll give you a little hint. The best gifts are the gifts that edify. The gifts that edify. And then he says, and yet I show unto you a more excellent way. 
Thank God for the giftings of the church. Thank God for the body of Christ. And we need people in the body of Christ. We need people that know how to operate in the gifts of the spirit. We need people that know how to serve, know how to labor governments, diversities of all different kinds of things. This is what Paul's talking about. Helping us. Helps. Gifts of healing, miracles. This is what we need in the church. And I thank God that God has allowed us to be in the body of Christ. Amen. There's an authority in the body. We humble ourselves. We submit ourselves one to another. I don't submit myself one to another in the body of Christ because I think you're better or you're smart. No, because you are connected to the head. And if I get in a situation where I lose, I lose supply, blood supply gets, gets cut off, the body of Christ, well, you are another way that I can receive my, the blood. You're another way that I can receive the oxygen. You're another way that I can receive what I need. There's blood clots. Anybody know about blood clots? You have blood clots, sometimes blood clots in your body. The body has a way of working around all of those things. When you isolate yourself from the body of Christ, you set yourself on an island without resources. God says, no, I put you in the body of Christ. So with that, there should be no division in the church. And with that, we ought to care for one another within the church. Stand together with me tonight. Amen. Can we thank the Lord? Amen. For putting us in the body of Christ. Come on. Can we thank him tonight? Lord, I thank you. God, I don't deserve it, God. But it's by your grace and by your mercy that you have brought us all together into this place. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. I want our children to come.